This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe could talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, a pretty interesting uh, game midweek it's just been, but before we get into that, um, I'll introduce the rest of the guys. So uh, Ross, how you doing my friend? Yeah, I'm doing as well as I can do at the moment. Yeah. Work and uh, feeling quite run down, but I'm hoping this weekend Milton Keynes can uh, cheer me up a bit. Yeah, that's the thing with snow, isn't it? It comes and then the, this whole like, country goes into meltdown and unfortunately you pay the price later on. It's just, uh, it's not great at all. Um, Joe, how about yourself? How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Just yeah, chugging along. Just There's not much else to you can do at the moment, is there? Yeah, as usual. Yeah, just keep grinding along and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully uh, reap your benefits, I suppose. Um, okay, so before we get into... Uh, the Charlton game. Um, obviously, we did a tweet earlier regarding the giveaway we're doing um, on Twitter uh, in association with uh, FanHub, our partners for the podcast. And it's for a match-worn uh, George Williams shirt from the 18-19 season, which we got promoted from League 2. Um, I'll put the tweet in the description of the podcast um, so you can follow the steps to enter that. Um, there are quite a few entries already, so thank you to everyone that's done that already. Um, and yeah, we're taking entries on it until kick off on Saturday so if you want to visit that um, you know do follow the various steps and enter uh, you can do and um, yeah we'll announce the winner on Sunday evening and um, yeah best of luck on that um, so we'll dive into the game that happened last night for us or Tuesday night for listening back to this um, lost one of the Charlton at home uh, to be honest kind of had a feeling this might happen um, you know Charlton are a very good team there's so much class on the pitch and um, unfortunately, we just didn't show up to the races, in my opinion. Um, one nil defeat. Um, it, it's like we travel, we time travel back a few months. Um, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago regarding the game we played, but it was exactly the same as that. Um, I think you could tell there were some new faces in the team. You know, we've got two deputants who we'll, we'll touch upon in depth later on in Darling and O'Reilly, but they felt like, especially O'Reilly, felt that 
you could tell he was a new guy and he didn't he was, has hasn't played football in a long time professionally anyway and yeah it kind of just disrupted our whole rhythm and yeah Charlton you know started the game off well scored the goal and kind of just sat back and it was a classic Don's game of uh trying to break them down and uh, not really being able to and it's just frustrating and Joe I know you were going to talk about in your notes how it was kind of reminiscent of the game we played at Charlton yeah, it's, it's 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 quite weird one where it was, you know, it's, it's similar to, like you mentioned, it was similar to a performance in October or something where we conceded a very very poor goal. Um, I think I, there's a picture of um, when the ball goes into the box, and I don't think, even think Laird's in shot, and there's two players on where you know in the right back sort of position and. Uh, yeah, you're just kind of wondering, right? Well, <laughs> who's marking him then? And, and he, it was just a free shot, and you know he'd he, he done well to get it past Fisher. And then from then onwards, Charlton were more than happy just to sit back. They played four four two, and it was re- I think it was really effective actually for a few things. I think one thing that they did really really well was Fraser didn't have a sniff all night, and I don't think Fraser played bad. I just think that Darren Prattley and their right midfielder Shinny they they just had. Whenever Fraser had the ball, there was both of them were just within him, you know, a few yards off him straight away, putting him under pressure. So you know that, that that's not necessarily us doing bad, just Charlton doing well. And I think I don't, I don't think we were bad in general. I just think, and I don't think Charlton were amazing. I just think it was it was just quite flat, and we just didn't really because we, we got the ball into some good areas. I thought Laird and Harvey got into some good areas, but we just didn't really create anything from it. I think Mason had one shot, which hit the post from a corner and, and um, Jerome, I, I can't even remember if he had a shot all game. And, you know, both of them actually, I thought had okay games. They came deep, they tried to get involved. Um, but I think where we kind of lost this game was just in the midfield. I feel that we look, I looked at the lineup and I was like, blimey, here we go. You know, what a technical lineup. But I think maybe we just missed a little bit of physicality in there just, some legs we missed miss that you know that Kasuma or that last um you know and you know as soon as we went one nil down it was always going to be an uphill battle um I thought just mention a Charlton player of Darren Prattley I thought he he, did, he um it just marshaled Scott Fraser really really well and we've said it before when you keep Scott Fraser quiet you're in with a shout against us um but overall it's kind of one of them games where I just sort of shrug my shoulders and think well you know it's one of them things we've one three out of our last five is you know just move on. We lost one nil to a team in sixth place. I'm not I'm not going to read too much into it. Of course, I'm not too happy, but you know it's just one of them. I think. Yeah, uh, it was difficult, and I think they they learned a lot of lessons from that game in October. I think Charles and they they certainly applied them. Of course, you mentioned regarding the sort of shutting down of Fraser. Um, but I think the press is a lot better. Um, I feel I felt when their game not so well early on, especially. Yeah, exactly, and that's when it needs to be really. I think if you can press us early, you got you got as much a chance as any team beating us. And we've seen so many teams this season, you know, apply that and it pay off for them. You know, last um, last night for us, for example, in Plymouth for two of those, which you know uh, spring to mind. I felt you mentioned the slow build-up play and things like that. I felt when Louis Thompson came on in around the 64th minute, something like that, I felt he really changed the game. Um, of course, we didn't, you know, go on to score a goal or anything like that, but I felt what he does from the field in terms of driving the play and really helping us actually create chances, 
I felt that's what we needed from minute one last night. And maybe he wasn't ready to play the full 90, um, which is completely understandable. He's been out for a, a good little while now. But I'd like to see him come in on Saturday, which we'll um, preview later, uh, heading down to AFC. And, you know, be alongside Fraser and Gladwin or, or even Sorensen, depending on who's going to be in that pivot. And, you know, really try and create some midfielders. Because as you mentioned, there wasn't really a lot from the whole team really in terms of creativity, even the wing-backs were pretty poor. Um, Ross, I mean, what are your thoughts on the game in general? I know you were sort of saying to us last night how you felt we were a bit too passive on the ball. Oh, yeah, 100%. I um, I felt um, it was rep- reminiscent of the um, Burton game when we played them. Um, I actually attended that game, one of the few games we could attend this season. I felt like um, it was just defence versus attack as such. And um, I think it came to about, what, 60th minute, 70th minute. And I, I knew that we weren't going to score because we weren't passing the ball quick enough. We weren't using the width of the pitch. And at the end of the day, when we did have chances, like the Mason chance hit the post, um, on another day, O'Hora would have put that in the back of the net. So um, I just felt like things weren't dropping us to us on, on the night. And uh, as Joe said, we can't dwell on it too much because of... We didn't perform bad. It was just the fact that Charlton took their chance and it paid dividend. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with that. And I know a lot of people have talked about Ethan Laird and especially that goal. I know, Joe, you referred to it. I'm just a bit... I'm not sure whether I'd fully blame... Uh, well, maybe Ethan for the goal, but I'm not sure Ethan Laird actually played that bad. I think, you know, he won all his aerial duels, I believe, six out of six. And his ground duels, he did enough. I think it was around 55% or something like that he won. I'm just, I think people expect a bit too much for him straight away. And I feel, I don't think he's been helped at all by the situation he's been brought into. I think Fleetwood was the one game where he really shone. And he didn't actually do much in terms of on the ball either. But of course, he got the assist for Mason's first goal. But... The way that the team's been setting up has not really helped him at all. I think every single game he's played this season, he's had a different midfielder next to him. You know, it was last week against Fleetwood, it was O'Reilly against um, Charlton last night. And for a young player, we always talk about having consistency and, you know, needing that player next to you. And if I'm going to, maybe can't do it myself, bring in Thompson on Saturday, but I feel those two are really complement you really well. And I feel it's better for Russ Martin and the coaching staff to try and develop a partnership with someone in that midfield rather than keep switching and trying out new players and trying to get them fitness. When a young player, as we've seen from many examples in this squad, needs that partnership who are really going to gel and try and build something going forwards. Um, Joe, what are your... I know you mentioned regarding the lead about the goal and you know his, him just not being there in general, but... Do you kind of agree in the terms of that these young players like Led need a bit of consistency in terms of who the players around them in the squad? Yeah, definitely. And I wasn't, you know, just trying to call out Ethan Led. I was just, yeah. you know, just saying it was it was a mistake, I feel, and it ultimately it did cost us a goal. And I think it did affect him for a little bit in the first half because I remember there was one time he sort of ran down to the byline and I thought... Uh, a cross came in I thought oh that's hit the defender but it actually just just missed kicked it but I thought yeah second half like I said he was getting into some good areas I think maybe and but Russ mentioned in his press conference that he was just a, he, he was he himself was a little bit disappointed with Laird 
Um, but but you know, I'm not yeah, I'm not going to re- read too much into it because we've all seen how exciting he can be. And you mentioned Thompson, and uh, yeah, I I really like I really like Thompson. I meant I, I don't know if I've, I'm no, I've mentioned it to you two boys. I don't know if I've said it out loud on the pod, but I, I think he is he's brilliant. And if we could get him in the summer, I'd be absolutely delighted. I think one thing with Louis Thompson is as soon as he gets the ball, his first thought is forward. And we had a period from sort of about sixty-five to eighty-five minutes or so where it, we really. You know, without actually creating too much, but we were getting into some really good areas, really just just getting the ball forward and just looking a bit more dangerous and a bit more. I think one thing that lacked for a lot of yesterday was just a bit of intensity, just just moving the ball a little bit quicker. Um, and I think well, with Gladwin, I just think he looked shattered. Really, I just just got on a side note. I don't I don't think Gladwin did too much wrong. I just think he looked a bit tired. And I think when Thompson came on, it just added that energy and. You know, Thompson's someone that I definitely want to see featured more in the starting eleven moving forward. Yeah, I think you're you're ever mind there, Joe. So I was actually going to ask uh, Ross about Ben Gladwin. I was, I, I did think, yes, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's a good thing if anything. We're on the same wavelength. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't really understand what was going on with Ben Gladwin last night because his passing was all right. You know, eighty six point three percent pass percentage on the night of forty four passes, which admittedly isn't a lot for Ben Gladwin's standard, but. He's still making the majority of them, which is a good thing. And he won't. But he takes him... the risks as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So even that, that's even better than if you think consider that into it. And the ground jewels did okay. Fifty percent ground jewels won. Um, and the dribbles did okay. Had shots. I'm not really sure why he just looked a bit legged. I mean, Ross, what were your kind of thoughts on Gladwin last night? Of course, he was he's occupying that kind of more deeper role that we see Kaz and Sorensen typically operate. Um, so, yeah, what were your thoughts on him? I think Ben Gladwin's... Um, the best Ben Gladwin is playing in the centre mid and not in the deeper role. I believe he can... His range of passing, as as you say, he can drive up the pitch. It's just... So, I, I, I believe it's pointless having him in a centre defensive mid um, when you've got the quality he, he has. And that's why I can't wait for Kasumu and... Um, when Houghton, if when when he's fit, sorry, um, when they come back because of Gladwin can move up the pitch because of yesterday I felt that and we'll mention it um, in a minute. But O'Reilly, he he just didn't look right in the middle, and I felt like Gladwin needed to change with him. And I'm not sure if O'Reilly can adapt his game into that deeper role, but um, we we yet to see it or I haven't seen clips of it, but. Um, yeah, I just felt like Gladden was wasted last night. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure whether he actually it's a combination of things, maybe. I think, yeah, he's played a lot of football recently, and that's something he's not been used to in a number of years. And yeah, I'd say his positioning was interesting to say the least. And his only real involvement in terms of the whole attacking play was when he was on the set pieces. And you know, he's always going to go close to a player that has that power and can have that ability for set pieces. And I suppose with that, your comments as to the defensive mid role, Ross, is that there's so much competition now already. As you mentioned, you know, we've got Kaz coming back, Housing coming back, got Lasser who can you know comfortably play there himself. So I put an O'Reilly there as well. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be there's such so many riches of that position. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, there's so many players that can play in those three, mid, three midfield positions that we're going to have this where we're trying to find the right combinations and. 
I suppose I think last night that, that that three just didn't work, did it? And not initially anyway. And I think looking ahead to Saturday, we might need to see a change there for me for it to um, work better uh, in the next game. But yeah, we'll go on to the two debutant performances. So, you know, in the week leading up to the game, uh, we signed several players, but two of them made a debuts last night and actually started. Um, and we'll kick it off with uh, man of the match, Harry Darling. Um, it's really good, to be honest. I don't have much else to say apart from it. It's just amazing. Um, personified exactly what Richard Keogh could do for that squad, you know, minus the experience. But I think everything physically and what he did on the pitch was uh, terrific. Um, Ross, what were your thoughts on Darling and did you think he deserved that man of the match award that he got at the end of the game? Yeah, 100%. I felt Darling, in my eyes, by a mile, was the best player on the pitch for us, especially. Um, I re- oh, yeah, I was I was just pleased with how he settled and how he looked in that back line. I felt, obviously, um, with him only signing, I thought Paul would slot back in um, after the Fleetwood win, but um, Russ obviously trusted Darling and he proved me wrong and I feel, I feel like um, with obviously Keogh going, we knew how big of a factor Keogh was and um, how we used to recycle the ball to him and he'd um, reset the um, reset us and we'd go go forward again. And I felt like Darling did exactly that. And um, I believe that he can be a very um, top player at this level. And um, I, feel, I feel, and I know it's very early to call, but I think it's a very good business so far. Yeah, it could be uh, one of our better businesses, or better piece of business, I say, sorry, in the past few years. But just based off that performance, you know, from what I'm looking at now, he, he had a 90.5% pass accuracy, and that was off near enough 100 passes, which, to be honest, I know he had a lot of the, the possession, but that's basically what Keogh was doing when he was in this team in terms of you know, distributing the ball a lot. And yes, we had a lot of possession and didn't do much about it, but that's not really the point. The point is just that, He's literally become a plug-and-play player who we just found from League Two, who stepped up immediately. And, you know, yeah, I think he did deserve that man of match award. I think you're completely right, Ross. Um, Joe, what were your kind of thoughts on how Darling did last night? And were you impressed? Were you uh, not impressed? What were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I described him as a Rolls Royce on Twitter. I think he's just big, powerful sleep, but also quite classy when he's on the ball. And... You know, he just one thing he he just oozed confidence for me. And when when he had the ball, there was never a sort of moment where you're thinking, oh god, well I hope he doesn't give it. You know, he just looked so calm. He knew what he was going to do. Um, there was some lovely what I like to call Hollywood passes, a few switches out wide. I think maybe for some of them, I wish he just held on a little bit longer. But I mean, but Russ, I think Russ mentioned it in his press conference after the game. He said. You know, with Harry, he's he's been playing week in, week out. He's got that match sharpness. What he needs is the detail and what exactly Russ wants from him in this system. And, um, you know, it's almost, if you want an opposite to what happened, I'm sure we'll come on to uh, Matt O'Reilly in terms of... Matt O'Reilly, he, he's been training for five months. He knows all the system, but he's not played any games in six months. So, you know, it's almost a sort of opposite where... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. It's almost a, an opposite... Um, but I think, yeah, he, he looks so assured and to think he's 21 years old. Um, yeah, re- really, really solid debut. Yeah, very impressive. And uh, hopefully he can carry that form over 
the rest of the season and, of course, on to Saturday. Um, yeah, you alluded to O'Reilly and, of course, there was a lot of comments um, regarding him and how he was really impressive in training. But, you know, it's one thing to do it uh, in a tra- on a training pitch. There's another thing to do it in a football match. And, you know, that was his first professional game in absolute donkeys. And it definitely showed. Um, obviously, you can tell he's... I don't think it helped that he had Laird next to him, who a player who he maybe hasn't trained too much with, to be honest, uh, maybe a, a few weeks max. Um, maybe it would have been better if, say, a Regan Paul was on that line and um, the right wing back spot. Um, but yeah, he had his moments. You know, there was a few touches and a few you know, set pieces that were decent. Um, of course, we're going off this 60 minutes of football that he played before Louis Thompson came on. But I thought he showed some promise. Um, of course, it's going to be a long time before he gets it to match sharpness properly. And we saw earlier in the season how you know, many a player didn't t- took a long time to get to match sharpness, really from the break they had off of due to lockdown and things like that. Um, Joe, you kind of mentioned your thoughts on O'Reilly, so I'll pass it over to Ross. Um, Ross, how did you feel that, you know, Matt did in his debut for the Dons? Yeah, I, when I, as we said earlier, I think when we saw the lineup, we were like, wow, and all this. And I was actually really interested to see how, how we would fit in the system because of um, Joe likened him to Fraser and I, 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 well, I know I did, but um, I had high expectations. So uh, when he came on, when he started, sorry. So, um, yeah, but you can tell that there's individual quality that there and, and what he carries on the ball and he can pick a pass. Um, but as you say, Liam, it was just, just, just down to the fact that he hadn't played a um, proper men's football game in months. And, um, I think it's similar to the Gladwin situation is in the terms of that he needs games. And I feel like the consistency will uh, just improve him as a player and hopefully we see the best side of him. But something I felt, felt like that he needed to improve on was um, like the dirty side of the game. And I know a lot of people don't like this side, but I feel like just that physical side, that, them tactical fouls when uh, we're getting counter-attacked on, especially in this system, um, he maybe could add that to his game because of at the end of the day we're not going to always have it our own way. Yeah, I, I mean I don't believe I've ever seen him and that type of player. Um, but yeah, I mean hey, like I'm sure he could develop that side of his game for sure. And if that needs to happen, then if you, if you think that needs to happen, Ross, then uh, that'd be interesting to say the least because we do counter that quite a lot, don't we? And we could deal with that type of player who is willing to break up play and. I feel like Louis Thompson, who's just willing to get stuck in there and, uh, you know, do what's best for the team, whether that's, you know, get a yellow card or you know, make a game-winning play. Um, yeah, I mean, we're fortunate in the sense that we do have quite a few games to give up in terms of, you know, we're not really challenging for playoffs and by a, a touch of wood, by a, a really terrible run of form, we're not going to be a relegation candidate. So we do have this month period, well, several months of uh, period where we can sort of nurture these players like O'Reilly and uh, Charlie Brown, of course, who's probably not going to see that game time this season, but certainly can do what O'Reilly's done in terms of learn the system, try and understand it. And when his role will be a bit more significant, he can come in and do really well. So that's kind of our chart and uh, preview done. Uh, we'll be back shortly for our preview uh, to the AFC game.
This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Okay, so after a disappointing uh, defeat midweek against Charlton, we are back on the road again this weekend and uh, maybe going back home, you could say, in some cases, to uh, AFC. Um, you know, it's, it's always an interesting game. You know, we get several uh, comments on those people and uh, the first game certainly, um, you know, did that for us. And it's going to be an interesting game for the least. And uh, as usual, we've got uh, Joe to reintroduce us to um, AFC and tell us all about him. So, Joe, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so AFC Wimbledon, they've been in absolutely fantastic, oh, sorry, um, absolutely awful form um, of late. Um, only three teams have actually conceded more goals than them in the league so far this season. And yeah, I think um, last time we played, we were around the same place, but they, they've really, really slid down um, since, in the months since. Um, they're currently on a run of no win in, in 10, and uh, they've got the joint worst home form with Burton Albion. Um, they, they, they've got five wins this season, um, but all five of them are by a solitary goal. So it's not as if they're, you know, particularly convincing when they do manage to get a win. Um, I've just got some comparisons um, from the last five, ten, and fifteen games. Um, so in the table, they're actually bottom for the last five, ten, and fifteen games. They've placed last in every single one of those uh, comparisons. Um, we um, just just to, just to compare, we're eighth, eleventh, and twelfth. So you know, pretty round middle of the mark. And um, just quickly on on that, it, it kind of backs up what Russ is saying. And we're, we're playing catch up for what was an awful start for us in the season. And I think um, with with with, with um, you know what, how we've been playing like the last 10, 15 games, um, we, we've shown that we're you know a, a decent side in this league. Um, it's just you know we're only are, we only are where we are because of our awful start. Um, so you know with AC Wimbledon they actually started off fairly okay in the league. So I was just looking at you know what's actually gone wrong. Um, in the in the last five games they've only scored two goals and they've conceded twelve in that time. Um, and if you if you want to stretch that back a bit further in their last ten games, um, they've actually only scored eight goals. And conceding twenty six in that time, so that's an average of two, you know, two and a half a game, pretty much. And you know, if you're going to be winning games, conceding over two goals a game, you're going to be needing to score three or four. And you know, they're really not doing that of late. A, a lot of their early season form was due to uh, Joe Piggott, who's actually got eleven goals this season in the league. However, he's only got one in his last seven, and uh, their other uh, threat up front. Um, is uh, Longman on loan from Brighton. He, he's only got one and nine himself. So I think it shows that, you know, averaging less than a goal a game in the last five and the last 10 games, and if, if you even stretch out over the last 15 games, they've only actually scored 15 goals in their last 15 games. Um, so it, it just seems that the goals have just dried up. And I was looking through uh, the rest of their squad and they've got a, a midfielder and a defender that have also scored two. And apart from that, it's just a few players that have scored one. So that seems to be, you know, what, what their main cause is. But at the same time, you know, when you concede in plenty of goals, it's really not going to help you out. Um, quite, quite interesting, though, um, that AFC Wimbledon have actually gone ahead in games 17 times this season. However, they conceded an equaliser 12 of those times. So that's 71% of the time. So it seems like, you know, 
when they are going ahead there, whether or not they're just dropping so far deep and just trying to try to rest on that, or they're just not seeing games out properly. And I think a lot of that may be due to the young team that they've got. Um, so, so yeah, that's just another little thing to note. So if, if they do go ahead, don't fret because they haven't got a great record of keeping leads. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that come Saturday, I think we saw last time that, you know, that they, they have got dangerous players in, in Piggott and Longman. Piggott, you know, he's a, He's quite an imposing figure, and he's you know his record in the league this season. He scored eleven goals, and he's got a few assists to go with it. He's not a bad player. However, I feel if almost like you know Charlton did um, on Tuesday night, if we keep Piggott quiet, like Charlton keep Fraser quiet, we've got a really good chance. And I think with with uh, how how it always is in these games, if we play the game and not the occasion, we'll win comfortably. I feel. Yeah, we, we were pretty unlucky not to win the uh, reverse fixture, weren't we? You know, that, with that Cameron Jerome incident towards the start of the game, and uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> that seventy-one percent stat, Joe. That would, that's very kind reading to the MK Don side of a few months ago, who we saw more of um, last last night or Tuesday night. If you're listening to this, in terms, you know, come back from results, and that was that was the common theme for basically two months of the season. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that, they're in horrendous form, as you read out, Joe. So that's a really good reading for us. Um, oh, my heart bleeds. <laughs> um, Ross, I know you wanted to touch on Joe Piggott, as you feel, you know, despite his form that Joe sort of referred to, how he still could be a real danger to this team. So I'll let you elaborate on that. Yeah, I remember um, back at, at Stadium MK, um, we turned off, I think it was within the first 15 minutes again. Um, but... Um, yeah, we really struggled to deal with his aerial threat and his runs in behind. And I feel like it's exactly the same in this game. Um, as Joe's just said, it's one of the um, most key battles in my eyes. And I do feel if we stop Piggott, we stop this whole AFC side. And uh, I'd just like to say that I'd pay any sort of money just to, just to be there on Saturday. But unfortunately, we can't. I think we all would. I remember seeing in the reverse fixture how... Um... AFC were doing hospitality for the uh, their stadium, and um, we were joking about booking a hospitality suite to go to the game uh, if we could. But uh, fortunately, that's uh, not the case anymore. Um, but yeah, listen, AFC are there for the taking. I think both boys have said that, and you know, there's, there's a really good chance for us to bounce back here. I think in these type of well, quote unquote derby games, if you want to call that, you know, form goes out the window a little bit. But I'd like to think that we have the quality to take care of this AFC team. And if we actually show up, like unlike last night uh, or Tuesday night, I keep referring to this last night. Um, listen, we're gonna have a good chance, I think. And you know, their the home form shocking is read out. You know, only worsened by Burton. Um, so yeah, we got a chance. So we're getting to our starting 11s, uh, gents. Um, I'll kick off with mine. Um, I've done mine through the new Fan Hub app, which is a uh, you know it's finally well launched for guys part of the Fan Hub team and. Yeah, it's looking really good. So make sure you sign up. And, you know, it's, at the moment, we've got you can do lineups on there and it's been pretty interactive. And I'll read mine off now. Um, so I've got Fisher in goal, um, as per usual, no real changes there. Uh, same back five from midweek. So uh, Laird, right wing back, or, or more right midway, if you want to call it. Uh, Hora, Darling, Livington is the back three, centre backs. And then uh, Dan Harvey, left wing back. Um, the only change is I'm bringing in Louis Thompson for O'Reilly. Um, 
I just like what I saw from Thompson in the brief 25, 30 minutes we saw from him. Really drove the midfield well. Um, and I feel he offers a bit more to the team right now than O'Reilly does. Of course, O'Reilly needs game time, but I think we just need a win, to be honest. And I think Louis Thompson uh, gives us the best chance of doing that. Um, so Glavin and Fraser to join him in the midfield. And then uh, the usual Mason and Jerome up top. Uh, Joe, what's your starting eleven looking like and how similar is it to myself? It is very similar, Liam. Oh, okay. um, I've gone for Fisher in goal, of course. Uh, Warren, Darling and Lewington. I, I think, you know, I think going forward, that is the three. Um, um, Laird and Harvey. Uh, one, one possible change I could see is potentially um, Sorinola coming in for Harvey. I thought, you know, I, it's, it's not personally the change I would make, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it as I thought Sorinola, he, he looked quite lively uh, when he came on. And also in these sorts of games, you know, having someone just to keep possession and calm it down. I think Sorinola is good at that. If maybe, you know, maybe Harvey is better creating chances, but if you just need someone to keep possession, rotate the ball, I feel that, you know, Sorinola can do that. Um, I've also brought in Louis Thompson. I was really impressed with his uh, little cameo. Um, I've brought him in for Ben Gladwin. I just thought Ben Gladwin, he just looked tired to me. He just looked a little bit leggy. Um, I think with O'Reilly, I think with someone of his quality, um, you know, he created our two best chances and he also had a couple of decent shots from the edge of the area himself, which went fairly well. One of them was blazed over, but one of them was actually fairly close. So I just feel that with someone like O'Reilly, you know, he, he has got the ability to, out of nothing, just produce something. So I, I think that Russ is going to persevere with him. And I do think that it's going to be much more of a game where, you know, AFC Wimbledon will be happy to sit back and that's how I can see it, you know, panning out. And then Jerome and Mason up front. I, I don't think Charlie Brown's ready to start. I mean, we, um, you know, he had, he had COVID over Christmas, I believe. And, he, you know, he's never really played men's football. So I think you know, throw him in at the deep end will be um, yeah, a little bit too much. But I would like to say he did look quite bright when he came on against Charlton. Yeah, we seem to see more and more from Brown as each game goes on, which is nice. A bit of progression. Obviously, maybe not getting the minutes to... Well, to be fair, I don't think he's expecting too many minutes, but I think he I think when he joined, he understood what the role he was going to have this season. But yeah, he, more for the future. Yeah, of course, yeah, and he seems to be not only happy with that, but he seems to be thriving in the minutes that he is getting. So yeah, um, I will say for Riley, as much as Ben Gladwin looks tired, I'm not sure after you know playing near enough sixty minutes for it was the first sixty minutes in about six months. I'm not sure how match fit he will be as a play again on the Saturday. Um, of course, maybe he's brought off early for a reason. And then that you probably... So he can start uh, on Saturday. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> You'd probably okay to think that. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a guessing game this field at the moment. I think, you know, there's so many options that we could easily see any of them rested, maybe bar Fraser. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. And Ross, I believe you've got O'Reilly um, not starting either. Oh, yeah, I've gone with the exact same uh, lineup as yesterday. The only change I've made is Sorensen. And it's going to surprise a few. The only reason why I like Sorensen is because his work rate, he's, he, he chases everything down. And I, I feel in this sort of game, you need that sort of player. And um, against Fleetwood, we had real success um, with the Gladwin, Fraser, and Sorensen. And in my eyes, why well, change something which is winning you games? And I understand that new signs come in and they impress, but Sorensen's done nothing to get, uh, well, he's 
He hasn't done anything to warrant it uh, to be dropped. And I just feel like bringing Sorensen back in into the fold, maybe um, Gladwin and Fraser are on the same le- wavelength as him, which they weren't with o- O'Reilly. Yeah, I, I could definitely back Lassick and back to the team. It would definitely give it a bit more structure, maybe. Um, and a game like this, that could be invaluable, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, nice to see some different thoughts regarding midfield three anyway, and it's going to be interesting to Kasu- see. A Kasuma could even feature as well. He's ex- <laughs> I think Russ said he's expected to be in the squad, so... You know, yeah. <laughs> who knows? He could surprise us again, Russ. <laughs> yeah, he, he does have a good surprise, doesn't he? And uh, luckily, he didn't surprise with the Will Grigg news. I believe he's just about to join Shrewsbury. But uh, yeah, he's, he's he's one for surprises uh, of Russ's. So yeah, I'll be interested to see what he's uh, got going for Saturday. So we're going to our predictions, gents. Um, before we get into ours, though, um, of course, we've got a whole list of your predictions um, based off the giveaway that we're running. And we ask you guys to send in your predictions for the game. So I'll read off a few. Um, underscore James Curtis underscore said it's going to be a three-one Don's win, and um, to be honest, there's a lot of Don's wins in general. Um, you know, Kieran Day 3 uh, said a three-nil Don's win, which is very ambitious. Uh, Darcy nine nine six said two-nil Don's, and finally uh, MWT three nine underscore said two-one. So I'll pass it over to you, Joe. Um, a lot of Don's wins there. Are you in agreement with them and saying that uh, MK can get the win? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> in short, um, I I think again we I just think if we turn up, if we play the game and not the occasion, we should have Touchwood no problem at all. I think you know that there isn't a better time to be playing them on paper. We also said that about Plymouth, um, but I think yeah, I think we in just in terms of sheer quality, I think you know we have got the clear edge and. I'm going three one Dons, MK Dons. Nice, very strong. Um, Ross, I believe you've gone three one as well. Yeah, I just feel like we'll have too much for this uh, AFC side, and um, this is just one game I want to win, and to win it at home as well, it just make it even better. I'll take a one nil coming off of Dean Lewington's ass. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I'd prefer that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't. I don't care who it comes off, where it comes <laughs> off them, getting in the back of the net. <laughs> um, yeah, I, would be lovely though. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I've gone with full house. Um, we should have won the game, uh, same MK, um, if it weren't for dodgy officiating. And I feel we'll win this one a bit more comfortably than that one. Um, you know, ASC, um, as Joe's mentioned, are in much worse form than they were when they played us the first time. And, you know, I think we should be getting fired up for this one, going to um, our rightful home and uh, getting getting three points. And, you know, admittedly, would it mean a lot in, in the course of the season? No, but does it mean a lot to the fans and hopefully the players? Yes, 100%. And I feel, you know, I think Russ gets the occasion. I think the players will get the occasion. And, uh, yeah, they'll put in a performance for us. So that's it for episode uh, 30 of the MK1 podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you could rate, review, and subscribe, that would be excellent. Make sure you enter the giveaway on our Twitter. Um, so we're keeping it live until kickoff. So if you haven't yet, make sure you uh, go into the description of the podcast. Um, you know, click on the link there and follow the steps to enter the giveaway. Thank you very much for listening, and come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.